0: Good afternoon. Please join me as we read God's word together. Today's scripture reading is going to be from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. The word of God says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good afternoon. I hope that y'all are doing well. Uh, My name is Marco, and I serve as the preaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. It's a joy to be with you. In the event that you did not catch Alan, we're going to find ourselves in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at uh, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And as you open or load your Bible, just two quick things for you. The first one is in the pews, uh, you're going to see these little connect cards, and we'd love to hang out with you, we'd love to connect with you, Uh, but we'd also love the opportunity to pray for you. And so if there's anything that we can pray for, or if we can take you out to lunch to hang, it would be our pleasure. In addition to that, in the pews before you, there are these Bibles, That is our gift to you. We love God's word. We love to preach out of God's word. Therefore, we love to gift God's word. So please take one with you. That is our gift. And uh, if you know someone who would benefit from having God's word in their hands, hook them up. Take as many as you'd like. Um, Other than that, let's dig into our time once more. We're in Matthew 28. We're looking at verses 16 to 20. Well, a disciple is someone who is shaped by the teaching of another. Therefore, everyone... All of us are disciples of someone or something. To be a disciple means to be a student, a learner, a follower. And whether it's allegiance to Shipley's or Krispy Kreme, Facebook or family culture, athletics or Amazon.com, certain fields of study or certain styles of cooking, each one of us is a disciple. And when it comes to the context of the local church, each of us, whether you are a Christian or not, you and I are shaped by something concerning the church. Whether we were raised in the church, whether we have rejected the church, or whether we are returning to the church, you and I have come to the table shaped and formed by culture, experience, and curiosity. In our last look in this series on the church, we've been examining our values here at Storehouse McAllen and we're coming to our last one which is at the core of our mission and that is discipleship. That's what we're about at this church and we're about this because it's the one thing Jesus told us to do. Therefore, in our time, we're gonna observe three things from our text. We're gonna observe the mission of the church, the method of discipleship, and finally, the context for discipleship, the mission of the church, the method of discipleship, and finally, the context for discipleship, and if this word sounds fancy, it's not, and if you're curious as to what it is, we'll dig into that a little bit more, but for now, here's what you need to know, discipleship is meeting people where they are and taking them where Jesus wants them to be meeting people where they are and taking them where Jesus wants them to be. So let me pray for our time and then we will dig into this text. Lord, we praise you uh, for the gathering. We praise you for your work in us through Jesus. We praise you for your grace uh, that is constantly poured onto us. And so God, as we examine your word, Uh, One, would it be sweeter than the taste of honey to us? Two, Lord, would you comfort us with your word, but at the same time, would you challenge us with your word? Not just so that we would be better, but so that we would be more like Jesus. And Lord, to those who are here and know Jesus, may they come and know him more. To those who are here and do not know him, may they come and know him today. And so we ask all this in your name, amen. If you're unfamiliar with Matthew 28 in this uh, this text Jesus is meeting with his disciples post-resurrection, and it is here where he is leaving his disciples, his final instructions as he ascends or before he ascends back to the Father in heaven. And you could imagine what this time might be like for the disciples. So let's for a moment consider verse 16. He says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I wonder what it was genuinely like for the disciples. You see, a couple of days earlier, they saw their friend they saw their teacher. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw him buried. And now he's alive. And he's standing before them, hanging out with them. John's gospel says that he hooked them up with breakfast. And now he's with them before he ascends to the Father. Could you imagine that? The dude you said you followed, the man you said you loved, the, man, the one that you betrayed comes back from the dead Not only with forgiveness, but desires to empower you to do what is next. And so what does this have to do with the mission of the church? Well, I want to address two things right off the bat. The what and the who. Let's look at verse 19. And we're going to go all over, but we're sticking to this text. Let's look at verse 19. Jesus goes on to say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So, if we're considering what is the mission of the church, what is the purpose of the church? It's to have great Bible studies. No. It's to have awesome potlucks where people bring hot and readys. No. Not that that's bad. I mean, hot and readys are legit. But anyway, uh, <laughs> go and make disciples. In other words, he's telling the disciples, he is telling you and I to go to wherever it is that we are and make disciples of ourselves. No. Make disciples of the culture. No, make disciples of Jesus. And this is incredibly important because I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say. He does not say, go and make converts. No, he says, go and make disciples. I want you to make disciples, people who are going to follow you as you follow me, that they may come and know me. That is the mission of the church. It is central to the mission of our church. It ought to be central to the mission of every church to make disciples of Jesus, because this is the one thing he's instructed us to do. Now, the next question following the mission of the church is, or who is supposed to go and make disciples? Because oftentimes when we begin talking about discipleship and we start using these funny words, people tend to think, people in the church tend to think, oh man, that's for leadership. That's for the elite Christians. Those are for the ones who've been walking with the Lord for 10, 15, 25 years. Who are the ones that are supposed to make disciples? Let's go to verse 17. And he says, and when he saw them, excuse me, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, who is he with? He's with the eleven. Let's go back to verse 17, reread that one more time. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Who does Jesus tell, hey, go make disciples? He tells worshiping doubters to go make disciples. That's incredibly freeing. See, Jesus knows that we don't have all of the answers And that we ourselves are filled with questions and even our own doubts. And the beauty is, he's not banking on your intelligence. He's not banking on your skills. He's not banking on how much scripture you have memorized, but simply the mustard seed of your faith. It's incredibly freeing because discipleship, and we'll get into the the weeds of it in a little bit, it's incredibly freeing because discipleship isn't measured by the strength or depth of your faith. I mean, think about it, have you ever thought that if That if Jesus were to just show up, if he were just face to face with me, man, then I'd believe, then I'd know what to do, then I'd have my questions answered. The 11 got that experience and are still doubting as they're looking right at him. Here's Jesus post-resurrection, standing with the disciples, hooking them up with breakfast, And yet they still doubt. Prior to this moment, the disciples were ready to pack up and bail. In Acts, we learn that they're hiding in fear because they don't want to experience the same thing that Jesus just experienced through the crucifixion. Some of them want to go back to the family business. They're, They're done. They're out. And some of you have felt that way, and I get it. And yet what we see here in this text is that Jesus draws near to worshiping doubters. He draws near to them. He draws near to you. The beauty, this text is also referred to as the Great Commission. The the beauty of the Great Commission is this. It's not just that Jesus is alive, it's that Jesus is unstoppable. And so Jesus calls you and me to be participants in making disciples. He folds us into the story of redemption and calls us to be participants. The mission of discipleship involves worshiping doubters. Second, let's consider the method of discipleship. In order to do that, we're gonna get into the weeds a little bit, we're gonna unpack what discipleship is. Earlier I told you that discipleship for us at Storehouse McAllen is it's meeting people where they are and taking them where Jesus wants them to be. Referring back to verse 18, and it's just the first few words, verse 18 says, and Jesus came and said to them. Jesus came to them, Jesus met them where they were. Every time, pre- or post-resurrection, Jesus is always meeting his disciples where they are. If you consider his life in ministry, Jesus didn't put up a sign and waited outside the synagogue with some tea and waited to see who would come and follow him. Jesus went to people where they were. He went to, uh, by the lake to hang out with some fishermen. He went to Matthew, who was a tax collector. He even went and hung out with a trusty assassin and said, you are going to be my disciple. In addition to that, another one was a hipster sitting under a tree, and Jesus went To him. Jesus always meets us where we are. Discipleship involves meeting people where they are, not where you think they ought to be. It's a reminder for you and I that the church does not operate under the philosophy of build it and they will come. No, we operate under the mission of go and make disciples. So what does discipleship entail? So we're primarily looking at verses 19 and 20. Let's read them. Beginning in 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you we're gonna primarily look at the word make and teach, make and teach, because there's a distinction between these two words. On one hand, making disciples means to meet people where they are and meet them specifically with a message. And we're going to meet them with a message, and then this message is the gospel. We are going to preach the gospel. You could say we're going to share the gospel, we're going to talk about the gospel, but we're also going to practice the gospel with our lives. Making disciples requires us to know the gospel for you and I to be shaped by the truth of the gospel. And that this message of the gospel is not only that God enters into human history as Jesus Christ to save sinners, but the power of the gospel is that God meets us where we are addressing our longing, addressing our doubts, our questions, addressing our hearts. See, the gospel both confronts our nature and comforts us with the hope of a new nature found in Jesus. So when he says go make disciples, the word make, or this this first part of the mission, implies that we're going with a message. We have something to say. We have something to share with our lips and with our lives. Secondly, Jesus says, teach them all, to observe all that I have commanded you. And this is different than sharing. <clears throat> the word teach here doesn't refer to classroom instruction, but think of it like on-the-job training, or on-the-job training kind of teaching. So if you play an instrument, which several people up here do, if, uh, <laughs> uh, if you competed in sports, um, Let's go high school and above. We don't want to live the glory days of junior high or of your senior year. But if you competed in sports, if you got some hobbies, right? Uh, One of the things you will have known or maybe even experienced, is that once you've learned something about each one of these, it it tends to build habits. Especially as you're coached, especially as you're developed, you begin to develop habits. And uh, at some point muscle memory kicks in and you don't think about what to do, you just do it, right? Like, if you play an instrument, like, I I see Izzy up here, and he'll, like, put his hands on the guitar, and he's not even looking at his guitar, right? He just does it. I don't know how that happens. But just like an athlete, when they go into the weight room or to the field or whatever it is that they are, like, there are certain things that they just do because they've done it so much. They have been formed by habit. This is what Jesus has in mind for us as disciples and in making disciples, That we would disciple others to do what he has commanded consistently, repetitively, habitually, so that it becomes second nature. So that as disciples, we are shaped and formed to the way of Jesus. And isn't that what we want for ourselves anyway? To grow in obedience, to be more like Jesus? Following Jesus implies that. And so this is the kind of teaching that Jesus is talking about. It's the kind where you come alongside people and teach them a few things in real time. You can say it's imitation, but in real time. My wife and I were watching this show, I don't even remember the name of it, but... Uh, <laughs> there's this therapist, and uh, he, he, he's meeting with his patients, and um, after a while, things kind of grow stagnant. They're, they're not really responding to some of his counsel, and he doesn't really know what to do, and so he gets this brilliant idea of like, you know what? I'm just going to do life with them, and and hopefully that gets them uh, thinking about where they're at in life. And one of his patients, he even invites to move in with him and shows him what it's like to have a, a dad around, but also the failures of a dad. And what was so interesting about that is, like he went from, not that there's anything wrong with that, that type of counseling, but in that moment, what he thinks is, man, how can I best uh, uh, give them counsel? How could I best teach him some new things without just giving counsel? I'm actually just gonna fold them into my life. This dude doesn't have a home, so I'm going to fold him into my house, into my family, into my rhythms, and I'm going to teach him what that looks like. That's discipleship in real time. This this also tells us that when it comes to following Jesus, when we become disciples of Jesus, there is a part of us that is unlearning some things. Right, like if you've ever been with a coach, everything that we just talked about, instruments, uh, athletics, whatever your thing is, right? If you've ever come next to a coach and, and you tell them like you know how to do a certain thing and then they watch you and they say, that's terrible. And then they go on and coach you and break you down so that they would teach you the right way, it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard because you've got to unlearn some things that you've already been taught that have now been habitual for you. In discipleship, part of it is that we're unlearning some things, and that takes great intentionality. It's a great deal of effort and concentration and time, but we do that until it becomes effortless, repetitive, habitual, consistent, Unlearning things is challenging because, when we come back to the context of the church, unlearning things is challenging because you and I have been shaped by the culture especially like whether before Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, there's still things that form us. But at the same time, many of you have also been formed by the church, like there are some people who genuinely love Jesus, but have been shaped by legalism in churches. Right? There are people who want to know Jesus better but have been shaped by licensing where they were taught that they can pick and choose what they like about God's word and so then they come into a church that's biblical and gospel centered and now they're having to unlearn some things about how to grow in Christ. It's challenging. It's challenging because whatever you're already familiar with has become habitual. It's second nature. It doesn't require as much effort. So unlearning some things so that we would grow in Christ, so that we would know Jesus, takes a little bit of effort. But the truth is, that kind of work isn't foreign, right? Like it's not that foreign. You're like, well, yeah, it is, it's super hard. No, I know it's hard, but it's not foreign because we've already been shaped by other things. The difference is that as we follow Jesus or as we, we meet people where they are, we're asking them to die to self. We're asking, we're, we're, we're growing selflessly. But it's not because it's foreign or it's something new. Look, whether you've been shaped by Whataburger or Walter Mercado, you've pursued the work. You know what that's like. So no te hagas, right? Whether you've been shaped by relationships or raspa stands, like we've all, the work itself is not foreign. Discipleship involves intentionally unlearning some things as we make or mature as disciples of Jesus. And verses 19 through 20, Jesus also mentions baptism. And so it's like, well, what about baptism? Well, let me, let me give you a, little things, a couple things about baptism. First, baptism, if you're unfamiliar, is a sacrament of the Lord Jesus. This is something that he's left the church to observe when, or celebrate when someone has come to faith in Jesus. See, one of the first ways that we identify as disciples of Jesus is through baptism. What this verse shows us is that baptism is the mark of discipleship, a willingness to follow Jesus. That's why, actually let's go back to the verse, he goes, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, come up baptizing them, and then we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why here when we have baptisms, which we're gonna be doing in a couple of weeks, when we have baptisms, whether it's adults or children, we can trace back to someone having discipled these new believers parents, or just friends coming alongside other friends. Baptism is not the arrival either, it's just the beginning. It's a public proclamation of a new beginning in Jesus. And the work of salvation is an entire working of God. And so, if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus and you haven't been baptized in the words of Nacho Live, why have you not been baptized? Let's get baptized. Let's get going. So if you're not baptized, let's get you baptized. If you're not sure, then let me give you a couple of things, right? First, uh, because we've gotten these questions before. If you've gotten baptized before, and like you came to faith, and then you got baptized, and maybe you slipped up, and you're like, I don't know if Jesus loves me. No, Jesus loves you, especially as you've repented and continue to follow him, and you're like, okay, so do I need to get baptized again? The question is whether or not you were a Christian when you first got baptized, okay? If you are, you don't need to get baptized, right? Some people do the whole emotional thing, right? Like coming out of the water sparks and stirs some emotion, like, ah, I gotta go get uh, baptized all over again. No, don't do that, that's bad. That We don't wanna do that, right? So, <laughs> don't do it as an emotional response. Do it because Jesus has saved you and that is who you live for, right? The method of discipleship involves knowing and living the gospel. And so finally, we come to the context for discipleship. And here, we're going to consider two more things. We're going to consider who are the disciples we're supposed to make, and then how long we're supposed to make disciples, right? Especially when it comes to, even though we're in the valley, and it's this culmination of cultures, right? When it comes to the American church, it's like, okay, how long do I have to do this? Just tell me so that we can be done with it, right? Well, this is going to be disappointing. Here we go. When it comes to who are the disciples we are supposed to make, look at verse 19 once more. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the word all in the Greek means all. And so, <laughs> and so it's all kinds of people, it's all kinds of people, every kind of people. Our mission is to make disciples of anyone that we are already doing life with. For us, As a church, this is why we're committed to making disciples of everyone, from students to senior citizens, from teachers to troublemakers, coaches to clients, baristas, bartenders, and business owners, from our family to our friends. When Jesus tells you and I go, this word could be better translated as, as you are going, meaning where you are already at. All right, this is where we start to go, that, that American Christianese, like, well, I don't really know who I'm called to. You got a job? Yeah, there. Yeah, you got called. You're welcome. Not the Agus. All right? Go and make disciples, whether it's in the kitchen or the dojo. I know some of you do jiu-jitsu. Right? Whether it's school or the taqueria that you're always at. Go and make disciples. Wherever you are is where you have been sent to make disciples. And if you notice, as a church, when it comes to our missional efforts, most of the time they tend to be partnerships. Kind of like the school supply drive we did a couple of weeks ago where we partnered with an elementary and a junior high here in McAllen. That's called ministry. Discipleship is relational. Discipleship is where you are. In addition to that, as Jesus is speaking to the 11, he's not speaking to the 11 as uh, individuals, but as a community, as a people. The entire mission is given to the church. Some of you are taking notes like, oh man, who's the church? You, right? You. The mission is given to you. You have been folded into God's redemptive story and he's calling you to participate in this mission. So, All right, here we go. How long do we make disciples for? Because you got to watch the Cowboys lose, right? Here it is. All right. He goes on to say, (laughs) some of you are like, man, I've I've heard comments about like, man, I don't like how he dogs the Cowboys. I'm going to do it even more, right? Uh, Also, because I don't don't watch football. Um, Here's what he says, concluding in this section in verse 20, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How long do we make disciples for? to the end of the age until Jesus returns. Church, listen. There's never a time we aren't making disciples. There's never a time we're not making disciples. If you want to think about it in the classroom, classroom is always in session. Always. The question is whether or not our lives broadcast Jesus at the center. Our lives preach a sermon about what we believe about Jesus. There's never a time we're not making disciples. But here's the comforting piece of this mission. Jesus, back in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Meaning, there's not a single person who is not under the authority of Jesus. That's gotta be pressure relieving for you, Christian. In other words, when he tells us to go make disciples, we're reminded that Jesus is the one who saves. And discipleship isn't measured by the strength of your faith, just By the faithfulness in the ordinary. Especially when you fall on your face in front of all your non-Christian friends and then they kind of push, pick, and prod at you, right? Like, so this is what a Christian's supposed to do? You're supposed to say, no, it's not, this is what repentance looks like because I just jacked up. Secondly, Jesus says, I am with you always. You are never alone or apart from Jesus. This little phrase, I am with you always, that's a promise that Jesus makes to you. You are not sent out alone, but always with Jesus, our God and companion. And so let me just encourage you. I know that some of you have attempted to make disciples and then you find discouragement for one reason or another. Maybe you feel like you can't build momentum. Maybe at one point you were too harsh with an individual. Maybe you're scared or you just feel like you're too busy. Listen, Jesus is with you always. And Jesus hasn't returned yet, so we're gonna continue to make disciples, and he has included you as a participant in this great commission. Jesus is the one who saves. You can do this. And you kind of are, even if you don't want to. You can do this. Therefore, the context of discipleship involves being where you already are. And so now, as we've looked at the mission, we've looked at the method, and we've looked at the context, I think it'd be helpful to tell you, well, how do we do it here at Storehouse? And this isn't unique to us. This isn't some amazing formula that I thought of. In fact, I saw a friend say it. I was like, hey, that's what we do, so I'm gonna steal it. And so um, this is how we do discipleship here at Storehouse McCown. The first thing is, well, let me tell you the formula and then we'll break it down, right? You guys ready, taking notes? All right, here's the formula. Gospel, community, time. Right. Gospel, community, time. <clears throat> here's what you need to know about the gospel. When it comes to the gospel, we, as the church, we are going to orient and shape our lives around the gospel, See, at the beginning of the series, I said that we are a gospel centered church, meaning that the message of the gospel is not necessarily a message with something new, but it is the fresh, ongoing reminder of what is true. It is the work of God for you. That's what we're going to shape our lives around. It is this truth that we shape our lives around. And if you have found yourself feeling like you can never keep up with God and you've got to get back to church or you've got to get involved in the church, I want you to consider whether you have been shaping your life around something outside of the gospel. Because making disciples involves knowing the gospel. This is the message that we're going to take, this is the message that we're going to live. We're gonna do this with our lips and with our lives. Making disciples involves the gospel. You're like, man, what's the content of discipleship? It is the gospel. Secondly, making disciples involves us in community with one another because there's no way, there is no way we can grow and mature in isolation. When we as a gospel community shape our lives around the gospel together, we create a space where we can mature and grow and depend on God and challenge one another and serve one another and invite others into so that they would see why do these Christians live the way that they do. Personal transformation is the fruit of biblical community. Further, when we're in community, maybe you've, maybe you've experienced this, but when we're in community, we realize that we're just not as awesome as we thought we were. When we're in community, we realize that there are some areas that we need to grow in. Like patience. You might think, you're like, "You know what? I've had a really good season of patience. It's legit. God's growing me." And then he puts someone in your life that tests your patience, and then you realize you're really not as patient as you thought, you've just been hanging out with people you get along with. (laughs) Right, so in community, we are challenged in a way that grows us growth and and being known and knowing God better happens at a greater level of intentionality in community. We looked at this when we talked about biblical community. There are over 51 another verses and not all of those verses can be handled in the Sunday gathering. That's where uh, community comes in. And that's why we, like, unapologetically are constantly talking about community groups here at Storehouse McAllen. We want you to get in a community group so that you would be discipled and make disciples and you would challenge and you would grow and you would increase all around a community of believers that are shaping their lives around the gospel and falling on their face and getting up as they pursue Jesus. So gospel, community, time. All right, here it is. Making disciples takes time because it requires intentionality to make and mature as disciples of Jesus. Sometimes it requires us to unlearn some things, to grow in grace toward others, to walk with people over time. Making disciples simply takes time. And it doesn't always pan out the way you want it to. If we were to consider again the content of discipleship in the life and ministry of Jesus, he hung out with 12 dudes for three years. They ate together. They traveled together. They did a bunch of things together. They hung out. He taught them formally and informally. He's at their mom's house. Like he knows their family. He's doing all of these things. And then when it came to really needing them, they all bounced. Discipleship takes time. It takes time to walk with people over time, over seasons. Therefore, I hope this helps you realize a couple of things. We're still under the context of time. I hope this helps you realize a couple of things. First, over time, Lord willing, we'll be different. We'll be different. As we follow Jesus, Lord willing, we're different and more like Jesus five years from now, 10 years from now. What is it that you want your life to look like 10 years from now? Lord willing, we will be different as we follow Jesus. Secondly, we cannot Americanize discipleship, and what I mean by that is the whole instant gratification of getting something immediately. Here's what I love about discipleship. It will teach you that the American way of doing things is untrue. (laughs) so many of you are disappointed, anyway, we are committed to making disciples of Jesus here at Storyhouse McKellen, everything that we do branches out from this, which means that if what we do doesn't make disciples, then we're going to get rid of it, Uh, our our staff team at the end of the year, sometimes we have a retreat, sometimes we just spend like a a whole day together. We're planning a bunch of different things. And one of the things we always say at the end of the year and then again at the beginning of the year is, okay, what's on the chopping block? Because we don't want to be one of those churches that adopts a ministry and then adopts it, but nothing's really happening. Uh, And the idea of it is like, well, that's just what we've always done. No, the question is, are we making disciples? So everything's always on the chopping block. And that might bring some sadness to people. What about, it's on the chopping block, unless it makes disciples. So how about you? Are you making disciples? For some of you, it's time to get off of the sidelines, stop being spectators, and into the game. If you're thinking, see the thing is, I only know three things what I want you to do is take those three things and teach it to someone who doesn't know those three things over and over and over again. Or if you're like, I've only been a Christian for a day. Okay, what you learned in that one day, I want you to take to someone who doesn't know that because you're a day ahead of them and teach them. That's it. That's what I want you to do. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Next question is, are you a disciple of Jesus? You're like, man, I've been burned by the church. I have a certain formation of the church. Listen, if you haven't heard before, we are recovering hypocrites. We, Christians, we are not the way, but we know the one who is the way. The one who truly meets you where you are in your longing, your questions, your doubts, your fears, your insecurities, your brokenness. And his name is Jesus. And though this message involves a confrontation of our true selves, it's also a message of comfort to receive new life in him. Church, the reason discipleship is challenging is because we come to the table pre-programmed with formation, from Thakadias to Facebook, education to experiences. Yet, in following Jesus, it involves not the formation of something else, but of what is true. And as we walk in what is true, and meet others where they are, we then take them where Jesus wants them to be. Discipleship is that. It's imitation in real life, and it is meeting people where they are, and taking them where Jesus wants them to be. Let's make disciples. One of the things we're gonna do, uh, this is a weird transition, I mentioned earlier that we, we, we are big on community groups. Right? We want to get you in a community group, not because it's cool, but because what we be- well, it is, but because we believe that having pockets of gospel communities all around McAllen and their surrounding cities helps us to grow as disciples and also make disciples together. And so to that end, this year, in the event that you didn't know, we've planted or started two new community groups. We've started one in North Edinburgh, and these leaders are going to come up right now. So this is by John Elliott. You'll see him in a bit. The second one is in North Edinburgh. North McAllen Mission. This is with Tony and his wife Karina uh, Garcia. You guys can come to the front. You'd be awkward if you want. And so. Um What we're going to do is they're going to come up to the front. All I want to do is pray for them. And if you got questions about community group, if you're like, okay, where in North McAllen? Hit Tony up. Where in North Edinburgh? Hit John up. Right? And find out about their times. Find out about their locations so that you can get connected. Right? So that you would grow as disciples. And so Karina couldn't be here. But nevertheless, Tony is here. Uh, So man, just join me as we pray for them. And then what I'm going to do immediately is just dive into prayer and go into communion. Right? But this is a big win. This is for the gospel, right? This is a big win in the sense of like we're planting community groups. That's what we want to do. We want to continue to to start new ones, hopefully in the spring and then next fall. And so Lord willing, uh, they do an awesome work in making disciples and and y'all challenging them, right? Join me as I pray and then we'll go right into communion together. Um, God, we are so thankful for you for a number of reasons. Um, God, it is your gospel that tells us who we are. And before you tell us what to do, it is that truth. It is the truth that you tell us who we are. that We belong to you. <clears throat> and we belong to you because of the work of Jesus for us. And it doesn't stop there. You literally not only fold us into the story of redemption, you then call us on mission with you. And so, Lord, uh, when it comes to mission, when it comes to community, when it comes to the gospel, Lord, I pray uh, for these two groups in North McAllen and in Edinburgh with Jonathan and Tony and Karina leading. God, I pray that you would just bless them. I pray that they would have fun, but at the same time, that they would be intentional about making disciples, uh, that they would grow themselves as they are challenged and known, uh, but that others are also growing as disciples as they are uh, coming to know uh, Jesus. Uh, themselves and one another better. God, I am thankful uh, for these brothers. Pray that you would bless them, Lord. Um, pray that you would continue to shape them uh, according to your gospel. And so we ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Well, church, let me lead us in a time of communion. We're gonna continue to pray, uh, and, and we'll continue to hang out, all right? Join me in prayer. Oh, Lord, we come before you as disciples formed by the culture and formed by Christ. And Lord, we confess that we often choose to be formed by something different other than your gospel. And then the irony is we wonder where we've gone wrong. And so God, together, we ask that you would give us grace this afternoon. Lord, we ask that you would humble us comfort us and forgive us of our sin where we ultimately trust in ourselves first and not you